My name is Randy Card. I'm one of the MCs, generally speaking, um, up here. There's three or four of us, Wayne, Lisa, uh, Jim Roberts. And so that's kind of my daytime job, if you will. My nighttime job is dust patrol. So um, generally, uh, every Tuesday night, we just started back up Taco Tuesdays. And so I'm one of the teachers at dust patrol. So it's always an honor to be able to uh, step in when Mark's not here. Um, and bless you guys, and hopefully it will be a blessing. So this morning, if you got your little half sheets, you're going to see the law. That is the name of the title of the message this morning, the law. And when I think of the law, one of the pictures or one of the things that just comes to mind has to be Smokey and the Bandit. How many of you watch Smokey and the Bandit? Of course. You know the story. My buddy, Sheriff, uh, well, it was Jackie Gleason, but anyway, uh, Buford, um, they're trying to get some alcohol from Texas to my home state, Georgia. And uh, Bo, the bandit, the truck driver is trying to get this stuff around. And needless to say, Jackie Gleason. And I just remember one line. And again, this, this actually came out like, I don't know, four or five years after I was born. So, I mean, this, this is old. But one of the lines I always remember smoking the bandit is um, this right here. Again, this is the sheriff. That's his his son, Junior, and Junior has a little bit of challenges sometimes. And so one time, Junior's going to relieve himself, and he can't get his zipper up, and so he goes to his daddy, and he says, Daddy, I can't get my zipper up. And he says, boy, I hate your mama. That's the law. That's what I'm thinking. When I think about the law, I get so tickled with smoking the bandit. So I want you to just take some fun. This is just a little fun time around the table. I want to talk about this on your discussion question. Here it is. When was the last time you had a run-in with the law? What happened? Don't be confessing anything major at your table. We'll have to lock you up. So keep it simple. When was the last time you had a run-in with the law? Go for it. The last time you had a run-in with the law. Well, you guys had a lot to talk about with the law. I was just talking to my friend Cecil over here. Here's his story with law. He's actually in Oakland. This is years ago. He's in Oakland. A pedestrian is trying to cross. Cecil stops. Cop comes up behind him, turns his light on, honks his horn, but he doesn't go anywhere. He stays right there. And eventually, pedestrian moves, and as soon as the pedestrian is gone, Cecil starts off, and then the cop pulls him over and says, next time you see lights and or a siren, you need to get out of the way, but he, it was a pedestrian. My, I didn't have anything like that. My, my run-in with the law was truly deserved. It's called speeding. And so I made it through Georgia, actually, n without a ticket. Actually, I take it back. I did have a ticket. That's a whole other story, but it wasn't speeding. I get to California. I'm on my new job, and I'm off of Winton. Those of you who are familiar with Winton Avenue, oh, we need to pray for that road. Um, <laughs> So I'm going to work one morning, and um, I guess I was going a little too fast. Actually, I was going a little too fast. And so this motorcycle cop pulls me over. And I can tell you what not to say to a cop. <laughs> he tells me how fast I'm going. I don't agree with him, so I tell him, Tom, check your radar. Oof. Oh, yeah. You can tell where that was going. Here's a guy from Georgia telling this Hayward cop to check his radar. Needless to say, he thanked me for 
um, me suggesting to him to check his radar, and he also wrote me a ticket. But that's not where the fun stopped. So here I have, I got my first speeding ticket. Now what? I don't want my insurance going up. I don't mind paying the fine because I was speeding. I'm good with that. So my wife suggests, well, you, you need to go to traffic school. What in the world is traffic school? I know how to drive. I've been driving for a while. So um, I take her advice because she's smarter than I am. So I go to traffic school. I sign up for it. Let me back up. I sign up for it. And so it's in Alameda. And I'll never forget, I call the number, you know, to make sure I can get in this class. And I cannot understand a thing this lady's saying. And I'm like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fail. I mean, when I think of class and I think of school, I really think of right when I was back at school, Dave. So I'm thinking, this ain't going to work. I'm from Georgia. I can't understand what they're saying. They can't understand what I'm saying. This ain't going to be a recipe for good. That was the longest Saturday of my life. You with me, Dave? I, I, now, not that I have not been uh, speeding since then. I can tell you this. I will never do that again. I may just pay the fine and be done with it. But anyway, that was kind of my little run-in with the law. Well, when you think of the law, you know, you think of that. You think of these little traffic stops. You think of this governed body who's actually trying to help and protect us. And a lot of first responders, a lot of the, the policemen and everything, we, we're thankful for those. But this morning, that's not really what I'm going to talk about. That was just to get, it, get you guys going this morning. The law is actually an acrostic and so we're going to break that down this morning, and I, uh, it really ties in. It's amazing when Mark asked me to speak here, and also just through this series over the summer, how all of these kind of intertwine. Um, so this morning, we're going to look at some um, kind of this, this, this ongoing theme of a plan of what the Lord has for us in our lives and what we should be doing. We heard it this morning with regards to the missions and the plan and what the Lord has in store for us. So before we get started with that, I just want to read the verse, Ephesians 2.10. You'll see it up there on your outline. That's where we're going to spend our time this morning. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. He has a plan. And one of the things I look back at this verse and when I look at these good works, sometimes I don't get the good part right. You know, I mean, we looked at Esther over the summer, we looked at Mordecai, and I look at them and I'm like, man, they nailed it. What about me? And I just get sometimes too busy, get so wrapped up in life that I miss these moments. These moments that are just set up on a pedestal. Psalm 139, 16, and this is from The Voice, says this, You can see all things. This is our creator. This is our Lord. You saw me growing, changing in my mother's womb. Every detail of my life was already written in your book. You established the length of my life before I ever tasted the sweetness of it. I don't know about you, but I could sure use that sweetness of life. Sometimes mine gets bitter because of everything drowning it out. I don't get that opportunity to taste the sweetness, and it's right there. Join me in prayer. Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity just to be here this morning. Holy Spirit, I pray you just come in, you take control, you, you, you relay this message that you've put on my heart this morning to this group. Thank you for what we already heard this morning with regards to missions and this great commission, this desire, this burden to reach the lost 
all across this world. Lord, thank you for, again, just the opportunity to be here this morning. Bless our time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, if you got your outlines right there, I just want to kind of go through a few. Again, when we look back at the, the single verse, our creator says, we are his creation. He sees and saw, that's past and present. He establishes the length of our life, future, past, present, future. We can taste the sweetness. The Lord's setting us up in these moments. The key is, are we taking advantage of these moments that he sets before us? The first thing I want to look at is just that. We need to be able to look for those moments. He sets them up for us. Are we looking? You know, again, I start my day usually, unfortunately, about 3 or 4 o'clock with work. Anybody with me on that? Mind starts racing. How am I going to get through what I need to get through today? And it immediately starts blocking things out. How can I look for kingdom work when I'm so busy in my mind, wrapping through, going through the motions of how am I just going to get through the day? And the Lord says, there's the sweetness. Are you looking for it? You know, I think about the plans. We talked about this again through the summer as well as Mark talking about the plans that the Lord has for us. And I'm certain his plans is for me to be more kingdom work driven, being the husband, being the father to my family and serving others. And I get, I get mixed up a little bit on that. The days go by, I get these blinders set up and I don't even look around. I'm just trying to get through the day. Ephesians 5, 15, 16 says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of your time. Underline that. Making the best use of your time because the days are evil. We're in these days, right? We're in this time. Are we making the best use of your time? I miss that sometimes. Colossians 4, 5 says, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Underline that. The way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Are we making the most of these opportunities that are set up for us? In order to do so, we have to be looking. Speaking of looking, it goes both ways. Um, several of you guys that went to the men's retreat maybe a couple of years ago now, I'll never forget a gentleman named Michael. He came and used the bathroom. You guys, you, you, you know what I'm talking about. We have our urinals. That's like the best advertisement we ever had. This guy goes up to the urinal, sees this thing called the men's retreat, and says, why not sign up for it? So he signs up for it. Not a believer. Goes up there, and he says, by the way, I just want you guys to know I'm watching you. I'm watching you. You're a Christian. You say this is how I live. I'm watching you. I want to see how it goes. John MacArthur says this. You are the only Bible some unbelievers will ever read. You get that? Some of the best sermons ever spoken are those that aren't spoken at all, that are just lived out. We like to sometimes, like the Pharisees and Sadducees, we like to toot our horns and this is what I did. What's your life? How are you living that out? What does that show? You know, it 
it kind of reminds me of just this one question. What are you reading? My wife and I were coming to church many, several years ago, actually now. And again, these blinders are on even coming here on Sunday morning. You know what I'm talking about, Mike. You get up, you're trying to get ready. You got to get out the door. You got to get something to eat just so you can get to church. And you're exhausted by the time you get to church. We live in Alameda. We're coming out of Alameda. Any of you familiar with High Street? We have a lot of people homeless right on uh, High Street there, both sides of the road. We get to the stop sign. Here's somebody holding a sign. And, of course, the red light catches us. And I'm coming to church. And I don't even make eye contact. No, I'm just going to look straight. I can't look over there because then they're going to ask me for something. Maybe they didn't want anything at all. Maybe they just want to say hello. I wouldn't give them the time of day. Nope, going to church. Got to go. Don't have time for you. Wasn't looking. Didn't even bother to look at this gentleman right there. No eye contact. This is how the Lord works. About two weeks later, I'm coming out of Alameda about 5.45. Early in the morning, my air light goes on in my car. So I got a choice. I can go ahead and just turn around now, call trip away. I chose to stop, look at my, t- well, they look fine. I mean, could the gauge just be wrong? But do I really want to get on 880? Do I really want to be on Winton, my favorite road in the world, and have a flat tire? So I'm like, ooh, there's a gas station right there. I'll just go and check my tires, get on the freeway. I pull up to the air machine. I get out. I start looking, and I hear somebody come up to me. What you doing? It was my friend. And I, one thing I forgot to tell you, my friend was not happy. He was angry and even said something when we were actually going to church. He says, I bet you're going to church. Wow, that hurt me. So here I am, angry guy, right here wanting to know what I'm doing with my tires. And I'm like, oh, really, Lord? Really? And I said, well, I, I got a flat tire. What's your name? My name is Randy. What's your name? Walter. Walter, nice to meet you. Do you need me to help? Here, let me put air in the tire for you. No, 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 I got it. No, no, let me help you. Well, I I just got to put some money on it. No, 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 you don't have to put money in it. It says you do. No, 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 that's a a lie. Hold on, I'll be right back. He goes inside, turn the air on. Walter insists he's going to check all my tires. And he does it. And I give him money. Never did he ask. You know, I left there thinking, wow, Walter was more of a blessing to him than I was to him. How did he read me? Did he recognize me as being the the person at the red light who wouldn't even make eye contact with him? I don't know. What I do know is he was more of a blessing that morning when I had my blinders on. Number two. It's important that we look for those moments. It's even more important that we learn to live those moments out. We look for them, and then what? Galatians 6.10 says, So seize any opportunity the Lord gives you to do good things, and be a blessing to everyone. Underline that. Be a blessing to everyone, especially those within our faithful family. 
You know, it's sometimes easy to be a blessing to those inside of the Christian family or other believers. What about those that aren't? Are we being a blessing to everyone, or are we selecting who we choose to be a blessing to? You know, I'm reminded from that story of Walter that I have a lot of opportunity to grow. And that's been a couple of years ago. And I thank the Lord between communities, between small groups. The Lord's used a lot of that to help me grow, as well as brothers in my life who encourage me on a daily basis. Martin Luther King says this. I'm not sure if I put it in your half sheets, but he says, if you can't fly, then run. If you can't run, then walk. If you can't walk, then crawl. But whatever you do, you have to keep moving forward. Don't stay still. Keep growing. Don't give up. The devil wants you to say, you know what? You're not good for anything. You didn't recognize this guy. Go ahead and crawl into a grave. Take those moments when you get the opportunity to be coached and taught by the Lord. Again, maybe it's life transformation seminars. Maybe you need to step into a community small group. Coming from the South, I can say there's a lot of things that we do very well out here. One of them is, is small groups, Bible studies. Probably one of the most, one of the things that's impacted me the most. Actually, is the reason I'm in Dust Patrol right now. I led a men's Bible study for probably 10 years. And I thought, that's just it. That's what the Lord's going to have me do. And then one day, he wanted to make it a little bit bigger. He wanted to grow. He wanted me to do more than what I was doing. And it's been a blessing. So Mark Twain said this. I'm a big Caleb. I'll reference Caleb several times. Caleb is usually my go-to going into work and coming home to work. Kind of keeps my sanity and kind of keeps me, again, focused on the Lord. But Mark Twain said this. 20 years from now, you will be more disappointed by the things that you didn't do than by the ones you did do. So throw off the bow lines, sail away from the safe harbor, catch the trade winds in your sail, explore, dream, discover. What are you going to do? You look for those moments. You get these moments set up to you on a platter, on a pedestal. What are you going to do? You know, from my Walter story, I was coming home, and this, I have multiple stories I could blend in right here. And for some reason, the Lord keeps putting this guy on my heart and in my vision, and I don't know why. This gentleman's blind. My wife and I see him and his wife walking throughout Alameda. And again, most recently, Within this last week, I had a, again, different story, but for some reason, this guy's just on my heart, and I see him again, and he uses a stick, he can't see, and so one day, I'm coming home from work, uh, this has been in the last three or four months, probably, and I see him walking, and all of a sudden, the bag he's carrying breaks, and stuff just kind of spills out. Here's my moment. I'm looking right at him. I see everything done. I see cars passing by. I see people walking by. So I kept going. I'm just kidding. I did not keep going. <laughs> just making sure you guys were awake. I pulled over to the side of the road, got out, didn't exchange really a whole lot of words, just 
picked up a couple items and said, here you go. The old me wouldn't have done that. I would have been just like these other folks just driving by because I did it before with Walter. And it's so important when the Lord gives us these opportunities that we take a hold of them. But that's easier said than done. You know, if we do the good works that Ephesians 2.10 talks about, we got to be prepared. What does that preparation look like? That's where this acrostic comes in. So we live, we look for those moments. How do we do that? How do we do that? Living by the law is what I... The L stands for this, listening to God. Are you listening to God? You know, one of the most probably impactful studies I've done in a small group setting is by Henry Blackaby, Experiencing God. See, a lot of heads nodding. If you haven't read that book or taken a deeper dive, I highly recommend it. Henry Blackaby, Experiencing God. He says this. Um... God is just honest. Oh, sorry. God is honest. Scripture backs it up. He says, if a Christian does not know when God is speaking, he is in trouble at the heart of his Christian life. Did you get that? If a Christian does not know when God is speaking, he is in trouble at the heart of his Christian life. John eight forty seven says this, if anyone who belongs to God listens gladly to the word of God, but you don't listen because you don't belong to God. Beloved, if you're not hearing, and, and trust me, I've talked to so many people that says, ah, I don't hear God. There's something wrong with the heart. So I just want to encourage you this morning, if you're not hearing from God, get on your hands and knees and get into the word of God because he's talking question is, are you listening? Romans 10, 17 says this. This is the voice. So faith proceeds from hearing as we listen to the message from God's anointed. It's important to hear or listen if we're going to make the most of those moments that God is planning for us and has prepared for us. John 10, 27 says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. It takes being in prayer to do that. you got to be in constant communication with our Lord, with our Creator. Henry Nouwen says this, Prayer is, first of all, listening to God. It's openness. God is always speaking. He's always doing something. He doesn't stand still. He's constantly in motion. You have to be in communication, which means prayer. Talk to the Father. We have access to the creator of the world. He loves us. As the song says, he'll leave the 99 for the one. That's love, beloved. Talk to the Father. If you're not not in prayer daily, you're not communicating. Frank Lubbock says this. Great missionary. Prayer at its highest is a two-way conversation. And for me, the most important part is listening to God's replies. You know, I, uh, again, on my way to work, I was just reminded of this right here and something I've really 
struggled with in the past. It's, uh, you know, again, you always hear the joke, you know, you, you should talk, um, talk less and listen more. And I just noticed myself as I was going to work and I was in prayer, it was all about me. I'm praying to the, univ- the, the creator of the universe, and I didn't actually give him a chance to respond. I'm just praying up every single thing that's on my heart. Boom, 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 boom. And I get to work and turn off the car and just like, wow. I did all this talking, and not once did I stop long enough to listen. I made it a one-way conversation when it could have been so much more. You know, so many things drown out the voice of God. Again, we get busy. We get out of our habits of being in the Word daily. Habits, social media, a lot of stuff can get in and replace the Lord and really get in between our conversation with Him. The second part of the law stands for asking God, very similar to the first. We need to be listening. We need to be in prayer. Philippians 4 says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Back to my favorite station, Caleb. It's coming home one day, and it said, why don't you try this? What if you thank the Lord today, or what you have tomorrow is what you think for the thank the Lord for today? Did you get that? So the only thing you will have tomorrow is what you thank the Lord for today. So did you thank the Lord for your spouse, your children, your salvation, your job? As I was sitting there just thinking of all that and what I thank the Lord for a daily basis, I'm sitting there, wow, I've been a sad soul. I probably wouldn't have had a house, probably wouldn't have had a a wife. So much things we take for granted versus thanking the Lord for what we have. Luke 11, 9 says, and so I tell you, keep on asking. You will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking. And the door will be open. Remember Luke 18, the widow who was persistent? She wouldn't let go. She kept on, kept on. We need to do the same thing. I know sometimes for me, sometimes I pray, and that's it. I'm not persistent enough to keep praying and praying and praying. Not all the time, but sometimes. I can go back to my journal sometimes and look at prayer requests that are still open. Still praying for, though. I don't just write it and let it go. And it's amazing how a month can go by, a year can go by, two years can go by, and I look back on when the prayer was answered and or it's still open. The Lord still hears. Be persistent. John 15, 7 through 8. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish. And it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified. By this, my Father is glorified. That you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. When we do pray, 
again, is it self-centered about us? Or are we asking for God's will? If I'm going to look and live out these special moments, I kind of need to make it about him and not so much about me. Amen? I have so much stories I could just tell on this right here. One actually involves, I'm just looking at Tracy back there, but Mark, uh, I, I was, had, was blessed to be able to go to a mission trip with Mark to India and Thailand. And I, again, I don't have the time to go into it, but that along itself, that prayer started out with actually, I think it's 301. What's the missions? 301 or 4141. Um, you better be careful what you pray for. I can tell you that. I just thought, huh. I'll pray. Yeah, Lord, send me on a missions trip. Then Mark come calling. Oh, I didn't really mean for it to happen. I was just praying for it. A whole nother story, a whole nother time, but that in itself was just God taking a prayer, making it real when I kept just throwing up, it's not going to work, it's not going to work, it's not going to work. And he's a greater God. I have to be reminded of that sometimes. Charles Spurgeon says, if you believe in prayer at all, expect God to hear you. If you do not expect, you will not have. God will not hear you unless you believe he will hear you. But if you believe, he will. He will be as good as your faith. How's your faith? William Barclay says this, true prayer is asking God what he wants. Again, Lord, what do you want? Not what I want. What do you want in this? Are you asking God what he wants or what you want? This past year, I had uh, a lot going on. Um, right around September-ish, um, I interviewed with a company. Started place I was at was getting a little bit too toxic. Finally took the step of looking. Did a couple of interviews. Prayed to the Lord. Bottom line, it didn't work out. Okay. Lord, you close the door. For whatever reason, you close the door. Come November, a uh, company I spent 18 years with decided my services were no longer needed. So I'm like, okay. Lord, help me through this. And I can tell you, two months, three months before I went, before I actually had a new job, um, my wife can vouch because this is normally not like, this is not me. I am... OCD, she calls me. I'm, I'm a perfectionist. i got to have everything lined up. Everything's got to be perfect. And here I am without a job. Wow. What am I going to do? But I had the most peace, the most joy. It was kind of scary. I'm like, I don't get it. We've got bills to pay. Total peace. Job comes up. I kept looking for jobs, looking for jobs. Everybody in my whole family have you got a job yet? No. How's things going? Great. God's timing, not mine. The company I interviewed for in September posted a, this job offer again. I still had the GM's phone, and we kind of left things really um, just everything was good between he and I. You know, just what they were offering me just didn't line up for what I needed. He uh, answers my text and says, we need to work this out. I agree. 
they posted on Thursday, Friday, I had a verbal offer, and that Tuesday, everything that I wanted, and then some just guarantees, things like that. God just blew it up. Sitting there, be consistent, asking, praying. It's amazing what God can do. I don't know why I'm amazed sometimes. I shouldn't be. I'm reminded over and over and over that my God's a lot bigger than my problems, and I really don't have any. The last part of the law, walk with God. Walk with God. Micah 6.8, this is NIV. He has shown you, immortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with God. No pressure, right? Deuteronomy 8 says, says, Obey the commands of the Lord your God by walking in his ways. Notice it's his ways, not our ways. And fearing him. Genesis 5, 21, 24. When Enoch was 65 years old, he became the father of Methuselah. After the birth of Methuselah, Enoch lived in close fellowship with God for another 300 years. And he had other sons and daughters. Enoch lived 365 years. Holy moly. Walking in close fellowship with God, then one day, he disappeared because God took him. Walking in close fellowship with God. Are you walking in close fellowship with God? Henry Ford says, those who walk with God always reach their destination. I can agree with that. I've seen it lived out over and over. Enoch understood that completely. What does walking look like? Charles Stanley says this, keeping God at the center of our thinking in everything we do, everything we say, that's wholesome talk, everything we think in our relationships, our finances, our plans, in every area of our life. Have you given it all up to God? Everything. Have you let him get inside of the driver's seat? You know, our spiritual walk is very similar to just a physical walk with someone. Just because my wife's a Niner fan, Julio, come here. Let me just show you an example. So if we're going to walk with God, and again, you got to, just like a companion. So if Julio and I are walking, and we're going down this little country road, um, or country lane. Do you guys know what a country lane is? Some of you do. You've seen it on TV. I love it. Robert, do we have a picture of... The little, uh, right here, boom. So this little country lane is actually a picture of the farm I grew up on. This oak tree is probably every bit of 200 years old, at least. My great-grandfather, who was 102 when he passed, and this was in the 90s, that tree was there. But so on the farm, if we were walking down the country lane, me and Julio is just, we're talking about things. You can look at the beauty of what the Lord has done but we're right here, we're, we're just, we're going through, we're talking about our struggles, we're talking about different things in life. The key is, first of all, he's not up front, or I'm not up front, that we're side by side, and we're not distracted by everything. You know, plane doesn't go over, the football, you can hear the football stadium over to the side, there's no distraction whatsoever. So your walk with God needs to be in close fellowship. 
and without distractions. Thank you, sir. The problem, unfortunately, with me sometimes is those distractions, they get in the way. My intent is to walk with God, but then these habits creep in. Sin creeps in. Busyness creeps in. Schedules, um, school events, football. They will be folks watching the Raiders, getting ready for the Raiders, and not walking with God. I've been there. I've done that. It's really important for me and my family and my wife can vouch. When it comes to Sunday, I'm going to be here. I'm going to be here because it's important that I walk in a close fellowship with God. You don't have to be in a, a community. You don't have to be in a church or setting on that right there. You can just do it just alone time with God, walking. I was reminded um, of this going through life, and I actually signed up for a retreat outside of our church retreat. A gentleman invited me to a uh, one down south, and I knew nobody. So I'm like, wow, wonder how this is going to be. So sign up for it. I get there, handed these dudes with keys to my car. I don't even know these dudes. I don't even know if I'm going to have a car when this thing is done. You know, what is this thing? I get there, and the first day, you know, we kind of meet up and everything. But anyway, that next day, they said, okay, take two hours and just go. Go where? Go walk with the Lord. Okay. What does that look like? So I just go and just no phone, no time, nothing. Just me and a journal. And I remember going and sitting on this log and just looking. It's probably the first time I listened to birds. I looked at trees. I looked at things without no distractions. If you're having a tough time listening or understanding your plan or these moments, can I encourage you just to go and step away? I had nobody. I had no interruptions whatsoever. Sometimes these phones can be one of the biggest distractions we have. I had nothing. I had the creator of the universe and me sitting on a log, looking out, tears running down my face. I got it recorded. I was going to actually read a little bit of it. I'm not going to. don't want to get emotional. But it was probably the first time I actually sit there and heard the Lord just pick me up, love me, remind me of who I am and what he has in store. It was a beautiful time. So I encourage you, if you're missing that sweetness, if you're missing those moments, take time to do that. Lastly, let's talk about it a little bit around your table here before we wrap up. Of these three, listening, asking, walking, which is the one the most challenging for you and why? Take a couple of minutes around your table and then we're going to wrap things up. All right, all right, all right. The law, listening, asking, walking. Very important. 
with helping with the bigger picture, amen? The bigger picture, the plan that the Lord has for us. Cecil over here, again, I had the wonderful opportunity just between on this discussion questions, and he says, you know, I walk in the morning, uh, or at night, actually, uh, but when he walks, he doesn't have cell phone, doesn't have this distraction, and it's actually his quiet time. It's his time where he can communicate with the creator of the world. And he says it's amazing because he's a greeter that as he goes through and says good morning to people and or good afternoon, eventually something changes in him. That's just one example. You may have a different, but the opportunities are there. Are you looking for them? Are you living them out? If not, try the law. Let's pray. Father God, thank you again for this morning. Thank you for just the opportunity to share what you laid on my heart. And Lord, I pray you challenge us. And Father God, you just convict us in the sense of just wanting to do your will and to grasp hold of the greater plan you have for our lives. We've heard from it this morning. Go make disciples of all nations. You put it on us. Thank you that we have that opportunity to do that in our daily lives. And may we not hold back for those who need to hear who you are and your love. Thank you for everything. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.